We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the VolleyPod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good morning and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you doing today, Todd? Davis, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, new news for you, you're joining the ranks of, or back into the ranks of high school coaches. Absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> you're back, you're back in the club. Oh man, I'm thrilled to be back. I'm going to be uh, coaching where I'm teaching now, so it's just a win-win. I'll be uh, coaching at Christian High School. Um, I'm thrilled to be out there. It's going to be super fun, but I know it's such a challenge. It is a grind, you know, it really is a grind, but it's a, it's a grind that we both love dearly. Opening day, July 31st for us. Do you believe in that? July. July. It's in in July. July. It's crazy. I know. And so it, they're kind of trying to back it up, but it still extends all the way pretty much till early December. If you go all the way, maybe. No, end of, actually, no. actually now they fi everything finishes okay. now before Thanksgiving. Okay. That's, That's their probably deal. why That's they're, why they're backing yes. up. So yes. They don't get into Thanksgiving, okay. but um, we're starting. It's going to be here before we know it. Absolutely. And I'm uh, going back and listening to the podcast, trying to get planned up and all this stuff and uh, learn as much as I can before I go into it. But it's exciting. For Good sure. stuff. Well, congratulations. So, That's fun. Fun stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and you're on the skill today. So what do we got going? We have a coaching skill and this is titled adding two contact games to your practice plan. Oh, very cool. I know okay. you like that. It's awesome. I'm a huge two contact guy and I want yes. to get into it a little bit. So okay. first of all, uh, the, I always like the, the rationale. Like, yes. hey, why are we doing that? And I think we start with uh, CLA, constraints led approach. Ah, the idea that, yes. hey, we're trying to play the game and can we keep all the decision making? Can we keep all the reading in it? But can we constrain it in some way uh, to focus on some different skills? So this two contact falls into uh, a CLA uh, paradigm, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it once again, we keep perception and action linked. So there's yes. all that decision making. Coupling. Yes. Uh, and then if we go further into the rationale and we focus on beginners, I really like two contact for beginners. And a lot of coaches, are, oh, hit it three times, hit it three times. And I'm going to, hey, when we practice, two is better, especially early, because the rallies are going to be longer. That's a good point. And so if they don't have free contact to screw things up and they can just knock it up in the air and knock it over, then all of a sudden we have these longer rallies. And that's a really good point. When you have longer rallies, you learn faster because the ball's going over the net. There's that excitement. It's more, you know, volleyball's fun when you have rallies. Right. It's really <laughs> tough for beginners to have fun playing volleyball when there are no rallies. That's a really good point for sure. So, uh, and then with those longer rallies, it keeps players more engaged. I remember I always think about uh, being a running a camp at Bishop's back in the old days, and I had this like elite seventh grade soccer player. Okay. And I saw her playing, and she was like one of the best athletes in in the county. You know, just a fast kid. 
and I was watching one team was playing it and so bumping it sky high and then setting it sky high and, and then bumping it over. And she's on the other side and the first two contacts, she's kind of looking like she's eating a sandwich. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the third contact is she gets in this athletic position. Right. And so she was just bored Yeah. Um, because the yeah. game was too slow. And so it keeps players engaged as beginners because things are going to happen faster. That's a great point. For more advanced teams, um, it puts the spotlight on some specific contacts. And that's what we really want to do with, with um, constraints that approach. Number one, the height of the dig. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, because if you're playing two contact, you're trying to get a swing, you got to dig it high enough so people can get a swing. Right. If you dig it low and somebody's got to bump over, you get immediate feedback like, hey, that dig's not high enough. Right. Maybe a good pass, but it's not good in this game. And if you're trying to shape that, that's exactly yep. what you want. For yep. Sure. Um, extending the range for players to hit bad sets. I love this. Because there's going to be a bunch of bad sets. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So you're extending that range. And then you have uh, free ball and down ball attacks. You're going to have some of those. Yep. So can you practice those? What's your plan to get uh, to be more efficient with those? Where are you going to put free balls? Can you take some hitters out with your free ball offense? Uh, and then if that's happening on one side of the net, then you have to deal with the defense on the other side. Hey, can you be great in your free ball defense, in your down ball defense? And then the last part of this for advanced teams is spotlighting decision-making. Yes. And this is this my ball to hit or somebody else's? Should I jump and hit? Should I hit a down ball? Should I set it over? Should I bump it over? And especially yes. it's, I mean, it's good for advanced players, but it's good for young players too. Right. I think it's great. All I, those decisions. I, I've been doing this almost every practice now. Okay. And, and I love it. So I'm on board with it, but I think it's not all that common in practice gyms to see it because everyone's so focused on the three hits. So, yep. so how can we teach this? Okay. All right. I have uh, some specific uh, games for beginners one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. So one of the, the things that I love to do when players come into practice is, hey, one-on-one -on -one beginners, pass to yourself, set over the net. Pass uh -huh. to yourself, set over the net. Can you pass to yourself and back set over the net? Can you um, take the first contact with your hands and then back bump over the net? And where you're just keeping the ball in play, but handling it in a bunch of different ways where kids come in the gym and they're hitting it over the net. And it's really not competitive so much. It's more cooperative but they're touching the ball. The ball is going over the net. They can pass and tip. They can pass and hit a roll shot. Uh, but just a bunch of things for beginners to get them to contact the ball going over the net. So cool. Love that. Uh, one of our favorite games we play is two versus two long court. So for beginners, yes. if you play two versus two long court and you put your players side by side, so it's hit the ball up in the net and hit it over, but you're dealing with that seam. Uh, so you're yes. dealing with beginners having to say, wait a minute, is this mine? Do I take it or not? And like then that. I have to hit it high enough so my partner can hit it over. Very cool. I love that one. So real simple. Uh, then we get to three on three, queen of the court or speed ball okay. uh, yep. to uh, clarify those two, queen of the court would be the winners always go to a winner's side. Yes. Speed ball, the winners stay and you keep uh, teams on one side of the net. Okay. Speed ball goes a little faster than queen of the court. Uh, the disadvantage of speed ball, a lot of people don't talk about it, is you can get a stacked team that just kind of sits there. Right. And it's harder to mix that up. Right. That's a good point. So, uh, 
So playing two contact, reading and defending a bunch of free balls, and can they get start getting some attacks overhead? Because in the beginning with beginners, it'll be all just, hey, bump the ball up and pass it over. But they need practice doing that. That's good. How point. many mistakes beginners make just passing the ball over? And can you get them to hit it to certain spots and maybe give them bonus points saying, hey, we're going to hit the ball for beginners. I don't know where you want it. Maybe you want it deep to one for beginners. Uh, I think deep in the court, usually for beginners, is better than short in the court. Uh, you can get it short in that setter spot sometimes. That can be a good spot in that two, three seam. Okay. Yeah. Wherever you, wherever you want it. And have a plan and you get a bunch of practice yep, at that. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. And then we go six on six. Okay. And we have front row setter. So if, let's say you have a system, let's say, you, you know, you know, my, um, you know, favorite booboo ball system is I have a front row setter in middle front and we just play two contact. And so that person is figuring out ways to try to be offensive and Hey, set the ball over, dump the ball over, hit the ball over. Uh, how do you, can you establish a variety pack by playing two contacts? I love that. And that, that's the one I don't do is six on six, two contacts. And I should because there's so much good stuff to come out of it. And I really like that idea because we we got some offensive minded setters. So that's a really right. cool and one. And so then if you have a back row setter, then all of a sudden the strategy changes. And now you're not hitting into the setter anymore. You're hitting it high to a pin to try to get a swing. Yes, that's cool. So there is, uh, you know, a sequence of decisions that you have to yes. make depending if you have a front row set or back row set. So I like this, I, I just like have that. to figure it out. Yes. Really um, cool. More advanced games for uh, for two contact. Uh, let's say we go 1v1, come in and warm up and you know, kids are just, hey, go over the net, uh, right hand, left hand. Okay, that's a good so one. So now tough. you touch, you have to touch it, you get two contacts, but you only have one hand and of contact and you got to use your left hand. Ah, I like that. That's okay. really cool. Because you'll see some kids are always, you know, with their yeah. one hand, they're always <laughs> right. doing stuff with their right hand. So can they get a little more flexible with both hands? Uh, my favorite game, this is my favorite tryout game. Okay. Is one versus one versus one. Okay. Uh, two contact. Okay. And so there we play it long court. We play it with a bowl in. Okay. And so, uh, get a point every time you hit the ball overhand okay and you get a point for winning the rally okay. and if you win you stay loser comes in and puts the ball in play oh that's a great game and then we play on courts and so we move up yes. winners move up losers move down and so you end up on the our top court is always what i think is our best volleyball players yeah and this is just a side part uh, side point, but I love the idea of workups during tryouts, right? Yep. Because then they're self-sorting, right? I hate the idea of we sort them and then that's what they got to kind of deal with. And all the things that they can self-sort, I love it yep. because then the parents have stuff that they can look at legitimately and say, hey, this is why they're there. But also the coach didn't create that scenario, right? Yep. They allowed for it, but they didn't create it. So I right. love that. And that's such a good game. Yeah. And so we can do some interesting things with that too. So we can say, hey, if, if, we have kids that are super terminal and every time they, you know, bump the ball up to the net, they can terminate. Then you, you put them in the back row. So when I had Bryn, right. I would say, Hey, we had the, you know, the Falkinski rule. She was the one kid going, Hey, you got to hit out of the back row. Like so that's that. not fair. I'm like, no, it's the, it's the <laughs> so you have the Jordan rules. We had the yeah. Falkinski rules. <laughs> I like it. Hey, that's you got to awesome. hit in the back row because you're a terminating hitter there. I, so cool. we don't allow any open hand tips in that game. Okay. It's just too okay. easy right. because right. we have one person, defending that whole side of the court the whole half court right because right. they're playing long court 
I like it. So that's, it's, that's it's half such a cool game, though. Uh, like so that's my favorite one. Uh, four on four. Uh, front row setter working on all kinds of dumps again. Uh, so once again, you have deep court, but you say, hey, uh, the back row, let's say we're not going to let you jump. You can say, oh, we're going to play a back row game or, hey, we're not going to let you jump, meaning we want the setter to be super aggressive. I like that. I like that. That's really cool. And then to six on six, the same as beginners um, with the front row, back row. Uh, and we get this out of system offense and defense with a bunch of that. If we have a back row setter, we're making a bunch of those first contacts high to a pin. Uh, and then we can change rules in there too. And I think that's the one thing with advanced. We can say, okay, we're playing two contact, but we're going to play it for four crossings. Ah, nice. Okay. So first four crossings, two contact, two your team, two my team. If the ball's still in play, which it should be because it's two contacts. Right. 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 Then it's three contacts. Then we're wide I open. I like that. That's a really cool one. Okay. Yes. So I think for advanced teams, we can start to layer and do some things like that. So. That's my uh, my big thing oh, with two I contacts. I'm a huge two contact guy. Well, I got a couple of things real quick. Um, first of all, you know I love the constraints led approach, right? So this right. is right up my alley because I like to let the drills do the heavy lifting, quote unquote, so that I don't have to talk all the time. Um, and a lot of these, you set the conditions, and then after setting conditions, I'm not saying you don't teach, but that does the heavy lifting of doing some of the big points that you're trying to anchor. Right. Yep. So if you're trying to work on those yellow light situations, the, the like decision making of when I should hit and when not to, all those are going to be created by the drill. Right. The fact that you've set it up so well gives them so many opportunities, allows them to learn. I love that stuff. So cool. The other thing is I would totally create the analogy. And I wonder what you thought about this, of this to uh, this, uh, you know, volleyball to this as soccer kind of is to futsal. It just accelerates all the decision making. It makes it compact. Yep. You see that analogy yep. there? Yeah, for sure. So I guess, I don't know. I just love it. All this stuff is wonderful. I would totally do more of this if you could. And it seems like you would be taking away time from past that spike, but all that time that you take away, 100% worth it in my experience with this. Well, and you look at the amount of time, you look at, hey, a lot of it's out of system decision making and out of system attacking and then digging high. Yeah. And so those are things I think we want to reinforce. And like you said, by setting up games that reinforce them without us saying, how many times have I told you to dig yeah, higher? Exactly, right. So exactly. we're not, uh, you know, uh, nagging the word instead of nagging and complaining, you know, we're, Hey, two contact, here we go. That's it. The situation it. is what it is. Right. No. So I like it. So awesome. Well, we are on cool. to the, we have scenario. a scenario. Right. What do you have for us? Okay. So this scenario is near and dear to my heart because I've been in this scenario many times as a coach. It's when you don't have three primary passers, at least in all six of your rotations. And, um, you know, I think we would agree that the most common sort of club and high school serve receive system is the three across, right? Yep. The three across system where, you, you know, you kind of divide the court into thirds and then you use seams to define who's got the balls in the middle. Um, but this is going to be about what you do when you don't have three that are capable of passing at a high level, right? And, and by high level, that's relative, right? But Coco sounds like uh, she's getting into this uh, passing uh, lo location. <laughs> she wants to be a primary passer. Coco, sorry, you're on the bench. She's <laughs> she's excited, and that's what we want. We want them dogs, right? And she's ready for us. So, I guess 
with this three passer idea, first of all, why do teams use three passers? Well, because you can basically take one shuffle and get to your space and you don't have to read that much, right? So there have been successful teams, gold medal winning teams that utilize two passers. And I guess the point that I want to make first is that it can be done, right? And you don't always have to use three passer setups. Right, and I I think, you know, coaches can be guilty of that. It's like shoving their personnel into a three passer system when if we're scouting against them and we're looking at, wait a minute, look at that kid in server seat. They have it. And it's, uh, it's not the best system for that team, but it's like, oh, we have to have three passers because that's what we always see. Exactly. And so, you, and you guys used two passers last year to great effect. I we mean, did. Yeah. And, was, and for the first time we did it all the time. Right. And, not just by rotation. We did it all six rotations. Yes. And, and we're going to get into some of the, the sort of ideas of what you're going to, it's a, it's a bit of a give and take, but I think if you're being smart about when you include that person, that's why I kind of wanted to lead with that. If you're being smart about when to include that person in serve receive and when not to include them in serve receive, you're going to do your team, uh, an advantage, right? So the first thing I wanted to talk about is this, this simple idea of go get in front. So, and Sean is big on this. My, my best friend, Sean is a volleyball coach as well. And he says, we don't need to use the same seams. So we may have three passers out there, but we know C, the third passer is not as strong as B or A. So who's ever in front of her or who's ever next to her is just going to go get the ball. Right. And that way she can stand and serve receive. She can take the balls that are line drives right at her. But I'm going to make sure that I'm going to support her um, by going to get in front. Now, there's an alternative to that. The alternative is um, shade. Right. So the primary passer idea is what I'm going to call that idea. We have one or two primary passers and they go get it when it goes through. They're not standing anywhere differently. Okay, so it still looks like the responsibilities are even exactly. when the server goes back to serve, they see the passers are spaced in serve receive equally. Exactly. Because you know, what? I used to, and I still always use that as a clue to who's their worst passer is because <laughs> the next one is shade, right? So if I'm going to shade someone, it means I'm kind of push them over into the shade. Um, I can tell if I'm the other team who your worst passer is. Now I make it a little bit more difficult to serve them, but you also potentially make it diff- more difficult on the other one because A, they've got more space to cover, obviously, but not only do they have more space, they have just as many seams, right? So it's there's a lot of times I think shade has gone to too soon without the right, um, without necessarily having a good I, awareness of what you're giving up, right? So you're going to give the struggling passer less court. You're going to make the other team make it harder to serve her, but Often the reading part, the court coverage part, isn't the part that's the problem for the for the passer that's struggling. It's the control part. Like, right. But if you say, hey, uh, if you give that person just a small area, then maybe the ball's right to them. Exactly. And right. So if it's right to them, maybe they're pretty good when it's right to them and they just don't move that well. That's exactly. So you got to kind of figure out which issue it which is. Which kind of pass are you Right, have. exactly. Um, if they're not controlling the ball, if they don't have the ball control skills yet, then you probably have to um, focus on the reading aspect. Can they get their body to the ball? Can they get their butt behind the ball, as we like to say? Now, right. before, I don't know if I'm interrupting you here, maybe getting yeah, ahead of myself, but 
Is there a hybrid of those two? Do you ever move on the on the toss of the serve? Yes, and that's what I just call protect. Right? Okay. So there's there's the primary passer method, there's the shade method, and then there's the protect method. Okay. And I this is my preferred method. Okay. And and for a number of reasons, the the main reason has to do with the passer confidence. Okay. Let me ask you: If I'm shading you all the time. What is that going to do to your 14 year old confidence? It can be difficult, right? Now I'm not saying it's probably, it probably is what's best for the team, but it can be difficult to be shaded um, and basically let everyone know that I'm the weaker passer on the court. Um, and then you get fewer attempts, right? And this, I think it can be problematic. So I like the idea of I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you out, but I'm not going to necessarily take balls that I believe that you can control. Now it takes a little more time to get there and it's because that in itself is a decision, but you're allowing that other passer to develop more and more confidence versus shading them. So that's my take on it, especially for the younger teams. Um, we mentioned this, if they're not getting to the ball, giving them less court is probably a good idea, but if they're not controlling the ball, giving them less court may not be the best option. You may want to do something like push them up to pass short or push them off and to call on the end line if they're in the back row. That may be a, better, be a better use of your space because then you don't have that additional seam and you can free up the two passers to do a, a be more aggressive, right? Which is one of the things that you want to be for sure. Um, shading in can help in short term. If it's game point and I'm getting beat up, I want to shade or bump that passer out of there, okay? If it's long term though, and we're in development mode, I want that passer to stay in there. So I don't love shading. Maybe I help them out, but that's my take, my take on it. Um, next, there's a such thing as a hard shade, right? Hard shade is I'm literally putting my foot on the sideline, right? And, um, as the third best passer and, or there's a soft shade where I'm just going to kind of creep to the, uh, to the edge of it. And I still am about to shuffle from the sideline. Um, it's obviously the hardest to shade when the passer is out of middle back, right? So if they're out of middle back, it's going to be most problematic to shade, um, towards that passer because now as we move to pass we're going to have to make passes going towards the sideline which is not impossible but it's just not as easy as going towards the middle right well although sometimes i think i wonder how important that stuff is it's a good point and a lot of times you go oh that's tough to do but do we really practice it and we would say hey it's good she's point. really good going to the left sideline so we can put her over that's there because she loves moving to her left yeah. And so maybe we can put those guys side by side and dare that team to serve that's what I was area five. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Make them serve a small portion of the court ends up having upstream benefits. Like they might miss more. They might serve easier as opposed to, I mean, obviously they're, you're making it harder for them to serve that passer, but also, like you said, they'll miss. I mean, they're, maybe it's not a zone they love, you know, stuff like that. So that's a really good point. Um, so you can hard shade, you can put them on the sideline and then you can also just completely bump them out of there. But, when you only have uh, two passers, let's say, what are your options and as far as system? Obviously, you can do it in a two-passer system, and I, I think more teams should do this. And, and the reason being is, look, these kids, not, not all of them, but more and more are playing beach, right? They can cover the whole court with two in beach. And every time we get indoor, we say we can't do that. And there's not a ton of room indoor, especially in club, for servers to go back there and hit some bomb serves that are moving if the passer knows how to read and that's the big thing if the passer knows how to read and can look at 
where the server is facing because no one's tricking you. They might accidentally trick you, but if you can stand in front of where they're facing, move to the ball, then you can be in two passer is the way I see it. What were some of the things you looked for when you guys went into two passer? Well, we just started looking at our numbers and we had two passers that were significantly better. And we were getting into a bunch of shading and doing that. And then we said, what if we just take them out and see? And, you know, the person we were shading was our ace attacker. So all of a sudden we just removed all of this passing target. Her being a passing target now wasn't an issue. And then we could free her to be, you know, hey, your role is now going to be to attack. And if we need to put you back in, we'll put you back in. But we ended up staying in two contact and or staying in, in two person, and our weaker passer was targeted. We thought, uh, but the funny <laughs> thing was, by the right. end of the season, she had passed so much that they kept the ball away from Sid so much right. that our numbers were about the same, and they started kind of going back to Sid because Matza just got so good because she was receiving. Like 90% of the ball. That's a great point. And I would, I would, can I, me real quick, that's one of the things I would say, if you're going to go into shade or any of these where you're giving the others to more court, is it smart to do that? Meaning, are you still passing at a higher level doing that than if you're in three? I think a lot of times they, you know, they go, at least this is what we did. Let's put it like that. We went into two and we were just as bad <laughs> with as when we had those three. And I'm like, why would, you know, let's just let her shank and have her get better as time goes on. And uh, that's basically what happened. So anyways, anything else on the two fast? Well, the other thing I think is when we look at uh, efficiency of practice, and, and this is actually, it, it, there was a positive and a negative. You know, we could get like, all our passing reps done so fast because we had two people, right? <laughs> and it wasn't great for our other DSs going, we're not developing as much serve receive. And we had some of that, some of those issues toward the end of the season when, as we were practicing, uh, you know, our practice got tighter. We didn't try to we wanted to get out of the gym faster. We weren't giving those those kids a bunch of serve receive reps. Uh, we were just making sure that our top two passers had their reps because right. by that time we're going, hey, we're in two person. Um, but it made it. I mean, hey, we could get through our reps pretty fast. Pretty and then, hey, when we played in practice, they were getting you know a ton of reps all the time. Right. Yeah, they're definitely going to be ones passing. So there was an efficiency uh, advantage oh, that yeah, we had. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Um, the other system you can do is four passers. I'm not usually that keen on four. I, I don't mind it, but I, I just, again, the problem is typically the seams. That's why when we serve, we want to serve seams, right? And so the fewer seams, typically the better in my mind. Um, that's why I pre would prefer two unless the serve is definitely dropping down. Right. If it's any sort of flatter serve, we want it to play through to the back row. And then um, five passers, you could obviously go five passers. But again, the problems with the seams, but then you're going to take away the short completely, basically, which you can totally do. Or you could put you could, you know, put three on the deep. Um, and again, that way you are limiting the court that one passer is passing. But you may be creating another issue with as many seams as you got. Yeah. Hey, I, yeah. you know, I ran five passers with some very specific rules for, you know, all of our low level teams because you're teaching everybody to do it right you're teaching everybody to uh, have the different rules for the different positions which hey if you're in the front row you're going to take the short one you either get your butt behind it or open up and call deep right and you're making that decision everybody on the team has to do that yeah and i like okay. that yeah uh, for sure. so 
Yeah. It's good and stuff. And then in the back row, it's, hey, you're backing up every ball in certain places. And, and so uh, having those rules and teaching everybody that at low levels, I think, is big. Absolutely. So I, I see a lot of a lot of teams that I think should be in. If you're a 12-year-old team and that net's low and the court's big uh, and the kids are small, I think Bad more passers. passers is better than I think three isn't enough sometimes. Well, so I would, if, and I, I agree with you, I would tend towards four flat over five, the standard, you know, five W. Yep. I like the four flat because it has the same type of seam and you can take short by cutting each other off versus um, having them to move short. And because we know short and deep is the hardest read for them visually. Yep. So interesting, good stuff, Todd. I appreciate your feedback on that. It's a common scenario. So we're on to some videos. We have two videos. Okay. Uh, we talked about two contact and, and the first one uh, we talked about is the one, uh, one on one on one, the, okay. the one we call tryouts. So mm -hmm. that is in uh, the art of coaching uh, library Absolutely. and it'll be Having unlocked for everybody. Yep. Uh, it's a, as Davis, you mentioned, uh, you know, for tryouts, I really love it. You can play it on a ladder and move kids up and, and it, it, we're able to uh, have our kids, uh, group our kids by wins and losses. And then uh, Kristen Bernthal Booth does it with her team. She does okay. some uh, three on three, two contact stuff. Nice, okay. So cool. those are the two and they're good now. How about a resource? Okay, so the resource of the week is a really fun. It's a combination of teaching, but mostly just really rad highlights. It's called Bounce Beach, and I it just got my attention this week, but I've been a fan for a while. But they had this slideshow of Miles Partain, who's this new hotshot lefty. He just won Huntington, and he was showing jump set, and then he would hit, or show hit, and then jump set. And they had this montage of him doing it on there. They got all sorts of other cool clips, mostly AVP beach stuff, but some international stuff both women's and men's really cool resource. So I got to check it out. I love that, uh, that, that evolution of the, the evolution of the, the option, the, right? the jump setting. That's yes. very cool. Super cool. All right. How about our, uh, the social, social media stuff? So to end for, please us. check us out on Twitter at the volley pod and, um, on Instagram at AOC dot the volley pod. Feel free to check us out. We got some new stuff up there. We just had John Dunning on check that out episode out once again. Thank you so much. Todd. Thanks. Great Davis. See ya. Thank you.